I think very often uh, you can get the whole set of scriptures to come down to a single word, and this is certainly true today. They fit together beautifully, and the word that I come up with is compassion. It's even in the scriptures today. And compassion, if you look it up in the dictionary, it's made up of two words, calm and passion. Passion, we know clearly enough that not just a feeling, but powerful feeling. And calm is with, to feel that passion with. So today we have in the gospel Jesus uh, preaching to these people and his experience when he looks at them, he says, with pity, with pity, he says, oh my God, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're lost, they're abandoned. And he feels this deep compassion toward them, uh, wanting to reach out to them. And he notices that the laborers are few. He says, I need help. Other people have to walk with me and to do this. So that's the setting today, the, the whole setting. But if we go back to the other scriptures, we're going to see some more pieces to this. Now, first of all, um, I've never been a parent. Okay, I, I grew up in a reasonably large family, eight of us, one bathroom. Many of you know this scene. And I was number five out of six. After me, the only one to come was Larry, who we called Goo Goo because he was the spoiled one. Um, and I was only three when he was born, so I didn't really see the stages of life that a child goes through. But I think every child goes through something that we call the terrible twos. Is that right? Okay. Now, the terrible twos, they all go through it. And what is the, the prevalent and the strongest word that they say constantly in the terrible twos? No. Do this, no. You should eat this, no, no matter what you tell them, no. You're loved by God, no, it doesn't matter. No is the answer to everything. Do you stop loving them? No. You love them through the terrible twos. And quite frankly, as even adults, we, the terrible twos are never over. It's not constant. We learn enough in life to, to grow and appreciate, and so we walk with God a lot, but sometimes we don't. And when we don't walk with God, God doesn't get mad. God can't get mad. There's a, a word that we used in philosophy uh, made famous by Thomas Aquinas, and he named some attributes that we give to God. We say when we look at God, we understand this about God. And one of my favorite ones is that he's immutable. That means he's unmovable. And if you listen to the first letter of John, uh, John gives a kind of a definition. I say it's like a definition, but not really one. And he says, God is love. Not that he loves, but he is love. And God cannot do anything but love. He's immutable. Do you think any of you or all of us combined can make God get upset? Really? We can make, his, make him have a bad day? We can make God regret making us. God just loves us no matter. He's like parents with a child of terrible twos. You don't stop loving because a kid keeps saying no to your face. You love them through the terrible twos. And God loves us through our terrible twos forever. And there's the proof right there. He gets to the cross. They're killing him. They've spit on him. They stripped him and beat him. They made him carry the cross. They put nails in him, a, a crown of thorns in his head. He's dying and they're laughing at him. He had every reason to hate, but he didn't. Father, forgive them all. They know not what they do. Now that's love. That's love. And we hear in all the scriptures, the first reading from Exodus, God is reminding the people as he gives his word, says, 
Remember, I saved you from the slavery of Egypt, and I brought you here, now I brought you to my holy mountain. I'm going to make you a holy people, a holy priesthood. You're mine. You've come to me. And it's about the most intimate language that you could speak, this compassionate love that he's giving to his people. And then we get to the second reading, and we're reminded that he did this not when we were perfect or living wonderfully or doing everything that we should, but while we were sinners, he died for us. And not only did he die for them, and we have to say us, not only did he die for them, but he forgave them and loved them right on the cross. Who does that? We'd say, well, clearly the Son of God. He understood what it was to love no matter what. So, as we come to the Scriptures and we hear Jesus noticing and pitying these people because they're just so lost, they feel so abandoned, and they look abandoned. And so he turns to his disciples and he calls them right on that spot. And by the way, in case you're into numerology, it's no accident that there were 12 because there were 12 tribes of Israel that Israel was built on, and now the church would be built on the 12 new tribes of Israel, the new Israel, the church. And even though it contained one who would betray him, uh, and sad to say, in Judas's betrayal, he couldn't forgive himself. He couldn't come back to Christ after he had been raised. Of course, he killed himself before, he hung himself, but, but had he waited around and sat in his sorrow, maybe he could have come to the point to say, I need to say I'm sorry. Ask God's forgiveness. But no, he killed himself. Peter betrayed him three times, the last time cussing his friend. I don't even know the man. And then he had to face Jesus on Easter night. And as Jesus said, peace be with you, there he was in front of him, knowing he had said publicly, shouting it out, I don't even know the man. And Jesus forgave him, and, and he was led to forgive himself. So in this context, Jesus calls, in this deep compassion he's feeling, he calls the twelve. And he commissions them, and he sends them forth. And this is what he says. Tells them, uh, you know, there's very few laborers, but the job is so big out there, so I'm calling you. And he sent the 12 out, telling them, don't go into pagan territory or enter a Samaritan town. Not because pagan territory or Samaritan towns didn't deserve to hear God's word, but first, go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, who I told way back in Exodus, I love you, you're my people, I'll make you a holy priesthood. They didn't listen. And then he says, as you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of God is at hand. And then he gives them at least these tasks. Cure the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse lepers. Drive out demons. And he reminds them, this was all given to you free. Free. And so you should give it away free. Now, you might be tempted, as I think we are every Sunday, to say, oh, what lovely scriptures of, of 2,000 years ago. This is about those people. Mm, that's not why they were written down. They were written down so to read them and say, oh, this applies to us too. We're the disciples now. Jesus has chosen us to go out and do wonders. You know, uh, every morning, I, one of the things I do is I look at YouTube for a while to because YouTube tells you everything. It's the best gossip page in the world, I think. So I watch YouTube, and, 
and so this morning, in between masses, in fact, I went and had some water and sat at the table and saw the 10 unsafest cities in the United States. And guess who wasn't in it? Los Angeles. We weren't in it. And uh, it, it lists the numbers of murders per day. And I, I was moved to do this because last night, as I looked at it, I think I saw yesterday and the day before, there were like four mass murders in our country again in four different places. It just is incredible. And I think this is a very hurting world. This is, this is that people at that mountain where Jesus looked at them with pity and said, oh my God, they're lost, they're abandoned. They need something. They need to know, even in their terrible twos, that God loves them anyway. And that, that's all he can do is love them. He has to. That's who he is. So, he sends you and me. And this is where I get so encouraged. I'm looking at, what, 300 people about? Something like that. And realizing we've all been baptized except for Grace, but she's about to get it. And we all have been anointed by God, filled with His Spirit. And if we hear this word today and do one act of kindness, that's 300 people that are going to be affected by some kindness today. If we have one act of compassion, imagine the amount of compassion just in our local area that will be felt by 300 people. If we dare to be loving, and even in words, it's Father's Day, we have the perfect excuse, Dad, I love you. 300 fathers to be touched by love today. It's extraordinary what we can do. We're not changing the whole world. But we have the power just by word and action to affect hundreds of people every day. And if we do one, two, three, four, five, imagine, five ones of these acts, look at the impact that we can have right here, right now, this day. And that's what the Word of God is trying to do to us. But then you and I get an extra special grace today through Grace. Grace, who's about to be baptized. Now, what a name. Does she have a Nigerian name, too? What's the Nigerian name for Grace? What's Grace's Nigerian name? First of all, for, okay, first of all, give me the, her older sister, her, her Nigerian name. Say, Ubehi. Ubehi. The Nigerians give names. What's it mean? Hand of God. And what's Grace's name? Agiagi, something like that. Okay. You look up to God. That's what the Nigerians do. They, they name their children with all these names that relate them to God. And then who do we get being baptized today? Grace. Grace, can you imagine? Just her name. Every room she goes into, hi, Grace. Grace. She's bringing God's grace and love just by her name. And they say, Grace will help you. Oh, my God. It certainly will. But will Grace live up to her name? That's the challenge. To realize that she is Grace, as we all are. But she is going to benefit even more because she actually gets the name. So today we celebrate her in baptism as we welcome her among us as a sister in faith. And as we name her uh, Grace, then that means we get to experience in her and also recall it's true for all of us that we are all in a sense named Grace just because it's poured into us every single day, whether we know it or not, whether we want it or not, 
whether we're acting out in our terrible twos or whether we appreciate it and say, thank you, God, for all the grace that you give. I don't know, I don't think it's Nigeria, but I read of a country in Africa, I don't know if it was Uganda, I don't remember, but I read that when their baby is born, until they have the baptism, even though they know the name, say, for example, here, Grace, um, but that if people say, well, what's your baby's name? They say, no name, no name. Now, they have a name, but they say officially, no name until they're baptized because baptism becomes this great moment when God calls them through their name to be in relationship with him and, and to do this discipling work in the world. So we're going to continue, and first we bless the water, and uh, can we wait here just for a moment, and we're going to bless the water and then renew our promises of baptism and make them for grace for the first time so that um, she and all of us together can live out those promises of faith. So first of all, if we could extend our hands in this direction, and again, our response will be after each phrase, blessed be God. Everyone, blessed be God. 